0: Welcome to Under the Bleachers. This is a podcast that explores all things sports, all things queer, and the fabulous intersection where queer and sports meet.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Team DC, the nonprofit association of LGBTQ plus sports and recreation organizations in the Washington, D.C. area. I'm Laura. I'm on the board of Team DC. I've played and loved sports my entire life, and I've played with the DC Puries and Rogue Darts.
0: And I'm Gabe. I'm also on the board of Team DC and I'm a diehard sports fan. I play with many of the Team D.C. sports member leagues, including the D.C. GFFL, Stonewall Kickball, Rogue Darts, Carid Bowling, and recently the Washington Scandals Rugby Football Club. And I also do a little drag on the side. We hope you enjoy this week's trip Under the Bleachers.
1: Welcome everyone, Lauren Gabe here. It's November 16th and you are listening to episode 22 of Under the Bleachers. On this podcast, we take turns, and this week, it's Gabe's turn to choose our topics. For our discussion of all things queer, we'll discuss our love for map daddy, Steve Cornacki For our conversation on all things sports, we're congratulating Miami Marlins general manager, Kim Ang, And for the intersection of sports and queer, we'll discuss a Texas high school track athlete who was expelled for being gay. After that, we're going to share our interview with Team DC member club Stonewall Climbing.
0: Before we get into our topics, we always like to give you an update on Team DC. Events remain on hold because of COVID restrictions, but Team DC has added a few new social media features, including Feature Friday, where we post about people who participate in various member clubs of Team DC, and Spotlight Sunday, which features posts about LGBTQ athletes. Make sure to follow Team DC at Team DC LGBT on Facebook and at Team DC Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Also, as we near the end of the year, Team DC board elections are coming up. More information will be available soon for anyone interested in running for a board position. But if you have ever thought about getting more involved with the LGBTQ plus sports community in the DC area, We encourage you to visit teamdc.org to learn more about the organization and about the various positions on our board of directors.
1: Gabe and I will be bringing you new episodes of Under the Bleachers every Monday at underthebleachers.podbean.com and on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Google, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio and Stitcher. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Taking the extra few seconds to hit those buttons or type a quick review means a lot to help us get the word out. And share us with a friend or two if you know people that would be interested in listening in. I would also like to personally congratulate Kylie Minogue for being the first woman to get Gabe excited enough about a girl to text his friends about her. With that, okay, wait. (laughs) I think I'm supposed to say to congratulate her for being the first woman to have an album top the charts in five decades or something. But in any event, that's that's just my I mean, love you, for Gabe. Gabe. With that's that, huge.
0: <laughs> first, Gabe,
1: Kylie's biggest fan with our first topic in this week's trip under the bleachers.
0: All right. For my topic, Well, Things Queer, we need to praise our nerdy political hero, the chart throb himself and our map daddy and Twitter's boyfriend, MSNBC's political correspondent Steve Kornacki. Steve tirelessly analyzed and calculated mountains of data live on the air as the country collectively held their breath as the general election results poured in last week. Kornacki, who came out as gay in 2011 in an article in Salon magazine, is finally getting to appreciate his newfound internet stardom. <laughs> Celebrities like Chrissy Teigen and Leslie Jones expressed their concern and anxiety over Steve's passion for analyzing data. MSNBC even had a Kornacki cam installed so that viewers could see what Steve was up to during other programming and commercial breaks. Kornacki spent almost two days straight live on air running on diet soda and adrenaline. He later said that once the election was called, he went home and slept for 15 hours. A spokesperson for Gap stated on the Today Show that sales of their khakis in Palomino Brown soared online over 90%. Well done, Steve. Now go get some rest before the January Georgia runoff. All right, Laura, so did you catch a little of Steve Kornacki's action last week? Of course I did. (laughs) Uh,
1: Korsnacki, I think, was my favorite uh, name name for him I saw on Twitter. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, like all of America, watched quite a bit of MSNBC last week, and I thought that the Kornacki cam was pretty brilliant. Uh, I you know, it's funny because it was like, it's not that high level math. It was more the fever pitch with which he performed it like he was <laughs> just like i was watching him and it was like um it reminded me of like pig pen from charlie brown how like the swirl of like dirt and dust follows him around but with Kornaki, it's just like a swirl of madness like he was just like so excited and doing the math as fast as he could and he was, was like finishing one calculation his brain was already starting to talk about the next one and he was pointing to the map and to the map over here and then the map over there and then the more map down there right It wasn't that difficult of math. It was all Steve Kornacki. He's. uh, I mean, he said
0: that himself. He he was like, you know, it's just (laughs) basic math. I'm not that good at it, but I can do it with a calculator. And he's like, like, I love that. um,
1: And he's really, it's really his nerdy excitement about it that uh, really brings it home. Uh, And you know, I was kind of switching between CNN and MSNBC throughout the week just to like see some different faces, so that I didn't feel like I was trapped in a constant uh loop of groundhog day even though we were uh but you know nobody on cnn had anything like what steve kornacki had steve kornacki (laughs) really really took the gold in uh in in running the maps for elections
0: for sure i mean i was loving the twitter stories and like the instagram stories leslie jones had one where she's just Almost crying, I mean, laughing, and screaming about him using a calculator. Like I, he just I pulled out that. a calculator from his pocket.
1: <laughs> you know, they had that guy whose name I don't even know who would like fill in for him when he would take his like twenty minute breaks, which are like the only breaks he took for his three nap. days. Yeah. <laughs> And like there were multiple videos of Leslie Jones like turning on MSNBC and it was the other guy and she was freaking out. Like she was like, This <laughs> is not Steve Kornacki! And I kind of felt bad for that guy. But you know, the truth is, like, nobody else is like Steve Cornacki.
0: Exactly. And he apparently he's a huge sports fan too. So Yes, I love him.
1: that as well. You know, <laughs> he's a gay sports fan. He should probably become a fan of Under the Bleachers.
0: Hopefully we'll get him uh, for our next season, we'll get him on the, on air. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, honestly, like, what does he have to do once election season
1: is over? It's not like, <laughs> I mean, he's got months. No more for pants months. for the Gap.
0: Be a khaki yeah, sport, I, the,
1: the Gap ad thing I'm like, yeah, it's sort of like the funniest part of it because like it's like the most boring and like casual looking like outfit you could ever imagine like (laughs) it's just like okay but somehow he's just this nerdy little dude in some khakis and it's perfect for him
0: I love how he's kind of like taking all the stories uh I saw this one thing on YouTube where they were talking about all the Twitter memes and stuff that was blowing up and he's kind of like oh I don't like that picture like he's like oh Chrissy Teigen put this on her phone back wall he's like oh, I don't like it. Oh, I don't like that picture. No, don't do that. I was like, really?
1: Dude, Chrissy Teigen Still is you. You should be excited. And he's like, oh, I'm not sure I'm making the right face in that
0: photograph. <laughs> I don't know funny. if I like it.
1: But... Uh, but you know, it's also, it was very cute. Like I saw he posted a video online where like after, I don't know, maybe on Thursday or something, Thursday, Friday. And he was like, oh, I just took a shower and a break and like i just saw all this love on the internet and i want to say thank you so much and by the way i have taken showers and changed my clothes i just own a lot of the same pants <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this man help him somebody get him an agent he needs some he needs some tips for how to like use his <laughs> 15 minutes because he's gonna he's gonna waste it with videos like that
0: <laughs> oh he'll be back in january he will be calling elections? I
1: mean, how excited <laughs> can you get about only two races? There's only so many different ways you can calculate the math.
0: That is true. I well, mean,
1: there are—I guess there are a decent number. We'll see his
0: magic rules. wall and yeah. see what he can come up with. Yeah. There was oh, there was uh, it was he was on the Today Show and they were showing um, I don't know if you saw that map uh, it was, it's been on Facebook and stuff, but about how popular um certain side dishes are for Thanksgiving.
1: Oh, I, I have. And not he was like.
0: Yeah, it's it's like, you know, it's uh, mashed potatoes is popular in California, but stuffing is popular in Massachusetts. And so he did a whole analysis of it. It was hilarious because he's like, oh, yeah, here we're going to get to mashed potatoes can get 270. So we're going over to uh, stuffing in North Carolina, but uh, mac and cheese is uh, really popular in Georgia.
1: All right. All right. I appreciate that. (laughs) Seems like Kornacki is doing his best to uh, make the most of his 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 time in the sun. I'm glad I'm grateful that we had (laughs) Kornacki because um, following along with the Internet's uh, love affair for Steve Kornacki helped bring me a little bit of levity during a couple of stressful days there
0: last week. Yeah, after Biden won the election five times. Um, every day was something different
1: i think today was this or yesterday was like the sixth time when they finally called georgia right (laughs) it was i don't know it was exhausting (laughs) but we have to
0: wait until the it's gonna be a while
1: right yeah and uh meanwhile cnn is still drag is like every day cnn just keeps dragging trump harder and harder i saw they had a like (laughs) The headline across their uh, board last night was r- r- running out of options, and then it was just like bullet points where it was like, Trump lost his case in Florida, Trump's lawyers in Arizona quit, Trump's lawyers in Florida quit, Georgia just got called, it was just like one after the other. I'm like, CNN is so over this man. They have no oh, the, uh... and they are just out here going to troll him every day until he goes away, and I am here for it.
0: What was it? The hotline was shut down because too many people were prank calling oh. it?
1: That's right. That was one of the bullet points as well. <laughs> Everybody Thanks, John that. Oliver.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. Well, I, for one, am glad that uh, Steve Kornacki is getting a break right now. Uh, let's, we only have two more races to focus on, so that should be a lot more straightforward and we can all just focus 100% of our attention on peeling that gavel out of Mitch McConnell's cold, dead hands. So on that <laughs> <laughs> note, why don't you tell me what's going on in sports this week?
0: All right. From my sports topic, 2020 has been a hard year for sports, but baseball fans are celebrating as Miami Marlins named Kim Ang as general manager. For those that aren't familiar with the role of a baseball general manager, they're in charge of hiring and firing coaching staff, managing budgets, advertising contracts, negotiating trades, and other duties involved in running a baseball team. Ang began her impressive 30-year career in Major League Baseball as an intern with the Chicago White Sox in 1991. At the age of 29, she was the youngest assistant general manager and one of only four women with that title in the MLB when she was recruited by the New York Yankees in 1998. In 2001, she served as the vice president and assistant general manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. In 2011, Ang left the Dodgers and was hired as a senior vice president of baseball operations for the MLB. Aang also served as an executive on three teams that have won the World Series. On Friday, Aang was hired as a general manager for the Miami Marlins, making her the first woman and the first Asian-American general manager of an MLB team, and the first woman of any major league sports to hold that position. MLB commissioner Robert Manfred said, quote, this sets a significant example for the millions of women and girls who love baseball and softball. Ang stated in an interview that, quote, we see female world leaders, CEOs, secretaries of state. There's no reason there shouldn't be a woman general manager. All right, Laura, so as a female baseball fan, what was your reaction to this news?
1: I was honestly surprised. I, um, you know, I guess, sadly, it it was pretty shocking to me. I didn't, I don't know. I, I It always surprises me when uh, male sports figures treat women with respect, um, in positions that have, (laughs) (laughs) well, in positions that have anything to do with like managing coaches or players, like I totally can, wouldn't be surprised to see like a woman in charge of advertising or a woman in charge of marketing or a woman in charge of even like maybe athletic trainers. But I never, I, it never occurred to me that a woman would be a a general manager of a baseball team anytime soon. So I'm super impressed to see, Um, that it is happening. Uh, The Miami Marlins. I don't know. I kind of forget that they exist sometimes. So whatever, (laughs) but, but no, that's really awesome and good for her. I actually, it's funny. Like when I, when I read that she had been in baseball for 30 years, that blew my mind. And I, I think it was probably more (laughs) frankly, uh, groundbreaking that she got hired in 1991 even though it was just an intern position, I, I'm shocked that there were women getting any jobs in baseball in 1991. So kudos to her. Um, she obviously has been very impressive. She's worked, you know, in a lot of really high level positions and she keeps getting hired to more. So she, she's obviously quite successful. And she's certainly the only woman who um, I guess has three World Series rings. So Awesome for her. I'm not expecting the Miami Marlins to win a World Series anytime soon, but uh, maybe she can turn this into a position with a real team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting when I was doing a little research uh, before today that a lot of people were saying, even the, the baseball commissioner was saying, that um, it's crazy that someone with that background hadn't been hired already. You know, if it had been a male or a man, of oh. course, 30 years of, you know, this insane career in baseball, yeah, they would have jumped to, To hire that person. Um, And so it's kind of insane that right now we're, she's barely getting the notoriety uh, in baseball.
1: Yeah. It's, and finally got the position. Yeah. It's hard to believe that anybody like to be a senior vice president of baseball operations at MLB and not have ever served as the GM of a team is a little surprising. Um, But of course she's a woman. So that's why like MLB was willing to take a risk on her before an individual team was, which is so typical, but um yeah look sexism sucks people who don't treat women like they know what they're talking about when it comes to sports suck but they're everywhere so this is not surprising but it is a super awesome move i'm i'm really excited about it and like i have um, you know, nieces that are really into baseball and softball and they're young still. So they'll grow up and not be surprised that women can have these roles. And that's pretty <laughs> awesome, right? Like it's not for me, it's for them. So that's awesome. And I'm, I'm really glad to see it. I'm excited to, you know, see it now. The GM is not a position that you typically necessarily see them that much like they don't they're not the person who gets interviewed on TV or that you see sitting in the yeah. dugout so you know i think a little bit of the impact that it might have been able to have for girls um is diminished by that but that that's not to take away at all from how you know huge this is it's a really big deal um but i do want to see more major league baseball teams and more other sp- professional sports teams putting women in more visible spots also, because we need that too, because that makes a huge difference for um,
0: attitudes of fans. Yeah, definitely. You know, we need more coaches. We know we need more people uh, kind of out on the field. uh, Well, like in
1: baseball, you know, you like I like to see it when you have like a woman base coach. I mean, a base coach is nowhere near as high a position as a general manager, but it's somebody who's going to be on TV all the time. And that's, that see. is also important, right? I'm not, I don't say that to in any way take away from Kim's position, because this is awesome that she's this, she's a general manager, a GM, like that's huge. I mean, she's going to be making decisions about what baseball players the Miami Marlins sign going forward. And that is a huge fucking deal. But I would like to yeah, also it's like, see more women in more visible spots as well.
0: Uh, I was thinking of uh, Katie Sowers. Yeah. Or Sowers. Sowers. Yeah.
1: So, uh who's the, the uh yeah she's 49ers. the first
0: female uh yeah coach to be on the 49ers and how big a deal that was because one she's in the super bowl but also she's coaching uh TV, she's assistant coach she's to a major football. Team.
1: you can see her on tv every once in a while you can see when her they, when you see like pictures or footage from the 49ers doing any kind of training or warm-ups like she's there coaching them on the field and it's like that's a big that's a really big thing for visibility so i also want to see more of that but I'm glad I'm, I send my, you know, congratulations to Kim Ng and and grateful to the Miami Marlins for making, taking the step and being the first ones
0: to do it. Let's see more of this. Yeah, I, I, I kind of see the story as a good inspiration for people, especially who are starting their career. Uh, you know, many girls and women that are baseball fans, they can say, hey, I can, I can be a general manager of a team. I can get involved in something that I love and right. I can be a part of it. Yeah,
1: we don't have a lot to be grateful for in 2020. But now there are girls who are going to grow up knowing that they can be a GM of a baseball team or vice president of the United States. And that's something we can all be happy for 2024.
0: Yeah, what it was, it was our vice president-elect Harris say, uh, better wear shoes because there's glass everywhere. That's
1: right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. All right. Well, this is obviously some good news. So Let's slide right over to the intersection of sports and queer, and you can bring us all down a little bit.
0: Sorry, I tried to pick a good topic, but <laughs> <laughs> for this week's topic at my intersection of sports and queer, we're going to discuss not-so-shocking news from my home state of Texas. So 18-year-old high school senior Devin Bryant of Coleyville, Texas, which is centrally located in the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex, was expelled from Covenant Christian Academy for being gay. The track, cross-country, and basketball athlete and straight-A student learned he was being expelled because of his lifestyle choice. Headmaster Dr. Tony Jeffries stated to Bryant's mother that Devin had chosen, quote, an evil path that was contrary to the Bible and is doing what he believes, quote, Jesus would want him to do. The drama began when Devin submitted a, a design for his senior parking spot, a school tradition where students are allowed to decorate their spots with art. Devin's message, which referenced his sexuality, was rejected by the school's booster club. The school's principal had an emergency meeting with Devin, who agreed he would not speak about his sexuality for the remainder of the year. Four days later, his mother received a call where the headmaster said that Devin was expelled. Devin is currently completing his senior year at a public high school. The Bryant family has hired a civil rights attorney and is weighing their legal options. The legal process will be a tough battle between personal liberty of the student and the religious freedom of the institution, which is upheld by the Supreme Court last year. I'm sure we'll be hearing much more of this story uh, for months and years to come. So Laura, have you heard anything about this story? It's been going on since kind of August, but it's barely getting some legs right now in the legal field?
1: No, I hadn't heard this story. I I mean, you know, it's not that different than so many other kids' stories, unfortunately. So, um, I mean, I feel for Devin. I, but, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, like, it is a Catholic school. And, you know, I don't know. I pro- The problem for me is this. I do believe that nobody should be able to discriminate against anybody. Especially if you're operating in commerce. You know, if you're selling things to the public, you have to sell them to everyone. Um, whatever. Catholic, like, going but like the Catholic church can say don't come and exercise religion in my Catholic church. So I guess maybe, I don't know. This one's a tough one for me. Um, if this school gets any federal funding or any public funding at all, then I absolutely don't think they should be allowed to discriminate against their students. I don't know the answer to that question. If it's a purely secular school that funds itself completely by church money then i guess maybe they they should be allowed to do this um it doesn't that doesn't change the fact that it's really shitty way to treat other human beings especially teenagers um yeah i don't
0: think i don't think the school is a catholic school i think it's just like a
1: you said it's covenant
0: christian academy yeah, it's not it's not a Catholic school. Okay, a, so like, I'm uh, sorry, I take back
1: the word Catholic and replace it with Christian. Either way, it's a private institution because you know they say that he's now going to public school. It's a private school, and I think pri- some private schools do-, do still take public money in certain ways, certain grants and things like that, and others don't. And I think that that probably, from a legal perspective, makes a big difference as to what their rights are. Um, in terms of how they should be legally allowed to treat people. It doesn't change the fact that regardless, this is morally reprehensible.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it's just, you're blatantly discriminating, you know, a student, one for just being gay. You you probably said it. Uh, But I think what they referenced in some of the articles that I was reading was talking about how the Supreme Court upheld this belief of religious freedom. And it's kind of that dangerous... Yeah. Kind and of it, like, so, it, it oh, okay. You basically said you can discriminate anybody.
1: Yeah. No, that absolutely is right. But I, and this is like an important distinction to me, at least, like, as you know, look at the end of the day, the Supreme Court is the governing body that is tasked with interpreting our laws and upholding our Constitution. My reading and the way I interpret this, I think it's critical to look at whether a church that is operating completely in a secular private space is different than an institution that is involved with the public, either because you're involved in in commerce because you're selling goods and services to the public like a florist or a cake shop. These are people that are engaged in commerce. You cannot discriminate against other people in commerce. Then you have organizations like a church, it's perfectly legal for a church to say, I'm not gonna marry two gay people in my church. I'm not gonna do a religious sacrament for you. If you're not offering that service to the public, you're only offering that service to people who are members of your church, you're, in, you're entitled to discriminate. You just are, you know. so this, this is a school. So it's somewhere in the middle. And I think it probably from a legal perspective turns mostly on where they get their funding and how they participate in commerce and in society. So if they're getting tax dollars coming to them to help them fund their operations, then they're, then they are doing, they're interacting with commerce and they are Mm -hmm. engaged in a public service and they should not be allowed legally to discriminate. If however, it's a purely secular school that's completely funded by a church, they probably legally are entitled to do it, frankly. And I mean, and these religious freedom cases that you're talking about, you know, a lot of it has, ha- it has to do with this line. Where do you draw the line? So if you're a Christian organization, but you're in, you have employees, so you're operating in commerce and you're providing them health insurance, should be, you be allowed to dictate what they can get through that health insurance if you, like, if it's birth control and it's against your religion, you know, you don't believe in it religiously, where do you draw the line? And, it's always this sort of gray, complicated question and, and, you know, a school kind of lives somewhere in that gray, complicated area um, from a legal perspective. And I, to some extent, I have to say to people like, just don't go to a freaking Christian school if you don't want to be discriminated. Yeah. Christians discriminate. I mean, that's just the way it is but yeah. that having been said all of that is like uh, there's some nuance there and we don't know all the facts and all the details but what do- what we know for sure is that it's morally reprehensible that these that this is a terrible way to treat anybody especially a high school student he's a teenage kid who by all accounts seems to be a pretty perfect fucking example of a student you would want i mean he he's a straight a student who-, who plays multiple sports and uh yeah <laughs> It's just hard to believe that a school would want a stu- would want any other kind of student right like this sounds like a model example of what you would want um and be very proud to have as part of your school but unfortunately, we have bigots and a lot of them are christian, and that
0: is just a reality yeah i'm I'm, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with the story i mean I, I kind of see like yeah it's it's going to be really hard, i think for them to get a case because yeah, it is a if it's yeah truly a you know a uh, a Christian school that has nothing to do with you know government funding or anything like that, like it's going to be hard for them to come up with a case against them because I mean that's what you're getting yourself into, and that's a sad fact that yeah they have the right to discriminate, and it sucks, but I mean that's
1: I mean what they have I, right now you know, I think I would argue in a different you know I would argue that there is a way to read the Constitution that education is not in and of itself a religious practice and so you shouldn't be able to discriminate in the providing of the educational services to like to you know it's a public good I I think there's an argument to be made that this still shouldn't be allowed that having been said it's definitely in not that clear area where you clearly have a right not to be discriminated against it's in a gray area and the Supreme Court as it's currently made up certainly isn't going to I I just don't think there's any chance that the current makeup of the Supreme Court would interpret the First Amendment in a way that would protect this kid's rights over the religious school's rights. So I don't think there's much to be done here from a legal perspective. Um, And that's really unfortunate, but it it is what it is. And I, I, I just think, you know, What we really need to do a couple of things. One, we need court reform in this country because our current federal judiciary does not fairly represent our the people of this country, they represent a very small minority. But number two, and you know what's really probably more important and more realistic is like how we as people treat each other and treat kids like this kid. And we need to make it so that it's embarrassing and shameful for Christians to treat kids this way and make them stop that way. I mean, I really think that's your best bet is to change the hearts and minds, if you will. I hate that phrase and the way it's become so cliche, but that's really probably um, the best recourse against things like this right now.
0: Yeah, I would definitely say even like call people out on what's, you know, on their Christian values and whatever. Like I'm, Thinking of uh, just last week, I was uh, commenting on my 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 cousin is a Baptist minister or B- B- Baptist preacher, and I was commenting on something about the election, and his pastor was like, oh, you can't, you know, those demon crats, whatever, you can't deal with them, yada, yada, yada. I was like, you're talking to a Christian Democrat right now, what concerns do you have? Oh, now I was trying to like lend out my hand to like, let me know your issues. And he just went off on all these things. And when he found out I was gay, he's like, oh, you're a sodomite and I can't talk to you. And I'm like, well, look, you're a Christian preacher and you're supposed to be, you know, showing us the good example of what it is to be quote a Christian. I'm trying to have an honest conversation with you and you just shut it down by that and just started insulting me. And I was like, yeah, no, there's no point. Yeah. Well, that's the
1: thing. I mean, and I'm, I mean, there are, millions of good christians in this world right absolutely but the reality and the truth is that there are also a lot of bigots that are christians and a lot of bigots hide behind their christianity to try to find excuses to justify their bigotry which is in my opinion an unfortunate um warping of christian doctrine but it's just the truth so we need to we need to understand that there are many Christian institutions that actively engage in uh, discriminatory practices against the LGBTQ community. And, you know, if we want to change that, then we need to make it uncomfortable for them to continue to act that way and, and use their values to justify it because they're not going to change otherwise. And the court, at least any time in our lifetime, is unlikely
0: to do anything about it either. So I just say to everybody who's listening, just be nice. Yeah. Don't hate people. (laughs) Just be nice.
1: (laughs) It's not that hard. Be Christian. And if you truly... So first of all, I think it's a completely backwards like, reading of an understanding of Christianity to believe that it is anti-gay or promotes treating gay people any differently than anyone else but if you truly believe that then just don't be gay and like do it you're right like if you truly (laughs) believe that your religion says it's wrong to be gay and to engage in gay practices or whatever it is then don't do that but that you know that doesn't you are not god and you do not have the right to judge or impose your interpretation of your christianity on anyone else. And you know, even if you truly believe that Gabe is a sinner or I am a sinner or we're going straight to hell, then doesn't that doesn't your faith tell you that you should want to empathize with us, not judge and and punish us here? on earth i mean i i just it's a completely like backwards way of practicing a religion to go around yeah. and discriminate against other humans there's just nothing in christianity that encourages any, any one human being to treat any other human being badly
0: definitely and jesus hung out with taxpayers and whores and sinners and stuff so he was sympathetic.
1: <laughs> I mean, honestly, Jesus loved himself, like the people who he thought were sinners. And he loved every, like, that was his whole message, right? It's like, love everyone, love your neighbor the way you would love me. And if you, tr- you know, I, I don't know, I'm not a religious person, and I'm not a faithful person. I don't believe in, you know, I'm just not a Christian, but I was raised Catholic, and I, I kind of understand you know, the doctrine of it. And Catholics are the most strict like people ever, but nobody in the Catholic church ever told me I should hate people. It's crazy. It's just, it's crazy. Right. (laughs) So in any event, I'm not here to preach to anybody or tell them how to live their lives or practice their religion. But I am here to tell you that treating other people badly or taking away other people's right to go to school or buy a cake or, get married or do anything else that they want to do is not a practice of your religion that is not you practice your religion how you want to stopping other people from living their lives is not practicing your religion
0: yeah and it's especially hard i think when you you're dealing with a child you're dealing with a kid and you're messing up his life or her life or whoever you know hey for an adult if somebody come up to me and tell me something and be like hey okay whatever that's your idea but you're actively messing with the child's
1: Life. Yeah. I mean, he's like in a formative time of his life, and he has people who he has been taught to view as authority figures, people that he's supposed to look up to and respect, are telling him that he's not, that there's something wrong with him and that he can't associate that he's what, dangerous to the other kids in his school, that he, he's not um, good enough to associate with the other kids in his school. Meanwhile, he's a straight A student, multiple sport athlete. He's a senior in high school. So he's gotten all this way. He's getting ready to graduate. And you're going to send these messages to him and you're going to take away what should be one of the best years of his young life. He's not, you know, I mean, he's probably gone to School with these kids his whole life, whatever. And like now he's, yeah, right gra- now he's not going to get to graduate with his friends. He's not going to get to play his senior year sports team with his team that he's been on for probably with the same kids for the last four years or whatever, you know. And you're like, yeah, you're robbing him of like really great experiences. And you people just suck. Like you're doing this to a kid, he's probably 17 years old, and this is what you're doing.
0: Yeah, he, he's been going to that school since, since PK.
1: Yeah. so since he was a <laughs> it's,
0: it's gross kid, like, it's
1: just <laughs> gross to think about
0: oh I mean uh more power to Devin and his family hopefully they'll get some closure with all this we'll see what happens
1: yeah I mean I hope that his community like his friends can rally around him and make sure that he has a good year um and to Devin like you know what you're almost done and you can get out of Collieville and go <laughs> thrive somewhere else because there are plenty of people out here in the world who will celebrate you and not try to tear you down. All right. Well, on that note, Gabe, uh <laughs> it's been fun catching up as always. Um you know, I I kind of joke with you like obviously it's not a celebratory story, but it is a good story to remember and keep uh we have to keep reminding ourselves what we're fighting for and who we're fighting for and we're fighting for people like devin who have a lot more years to live and we want them to have a better a better world to live it in
0: i totally agree
1: all right well that's this week's under the bleachers roundup of things queer things sports and things at the intersection of sports and queer we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll we'll share our interview with team dc member club stonewall Climate
0: up. Getting by. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about Stonewall Climbing?
2: Yes, uh, so yeah. Stonewall Climbing is a LGBTQIA climbing community and Boulder League, so that means we are a community first and sports league second. Uh, we promote the sport and culture of climbing indoors and soon to be in the outdoor setting as well. Uh, Our values are for accessibility, lowering barriers to entry, be it financial, um, physical distance, or uh, socioeconomic. Um, In addition to that, we promote outdoor stewardship, um, awareness, and uh, protecting of public lands through education, community service, and uh, coalition building.
0: Very cool. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about the difference between climbing and bouldering?
2: Um bouldering is a specific subset of climbing. Climbing is as we put it, everything and the kitchen sink, so it could be indoor outdoor Bouldering is doing um walls wall heights of up to about fifteen feet on an indoor perspective and then it can go as high up as maybe twenty feet on the outdoor perspective depending on everyone's personal safety comfort levels but uh climbing covers rope climbing, bouldering ice climbing, trad climbing, deep water solo, free solo, and more.
1: Um, do you at Stonewall um, practice only one type of climbing or?
2: We encourage people to do bouldering specifically. It is the easiest way to get into climbing. The lowest, um, it's got, it has the lowest cost involved. So all you need are just yourself, um, entry into a climbing gym or to the outdoors, and then optional pair of climbing shoes. The shoes are encouraged, though, just to really get you a better feel for how climbing is, and it removes any mental hurdles of your feet slipping and causing you to have negative thinking that would put you potentially at risk for just falling. Um, we all, everyone goes to their first climb, we all start from the same level. Uh, with bouldering, it's just easy to access we encourage ropes as well but for the purpose of building community and really onboarding versus rope climbing and it kind of really addresses the issue of uh, privilege built within it for those who are able to afford climbing gear um, who are able to afford the training and the time to actually practice it versus people who have never set foot in the climbing gym and they really want to get the most out of their experience financially so that's why we really promote bouldering.
1: Okay, great. And as an organization, do you get together in large groups to climb together? Or do you organize um, generally small separate events?
2: Our ma- we do weekly meetups. And that is when we are at our greatest for collective masks. And then in addition to that, we do programming outside of those as well.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about where y'all meet up or what gyms y'all visit?
2: So initially we started off at Earth Trek's Crystal City and for us to be inclusive by all by at these other gyms that are not coming to Crystal City. So
0: that's that's pretty cool. So do y'all meet up? uh, Is there like a set schedule? Do you meet up? At uh, one gym or one area during one week, and then another gym in another area another week?
2: Um, Crystal City meets on specific, um, specifically, currently it's Monday nights from six o'clock until about 10 o'clock. And then the other gyms, we really wanted to give what works best for them, but also what works best for the gyms to give us discounted entry. So that's our way of. Uh, Of coming together with luring bears to entry but also making things socially sustainable for existing climbers
1: um with bouldering forgive my ignorance but do you is bouldering something that involves solo climbing or is it done in pairs
2: it is it can depend on how you look at it bouldering is an individualistic activity but when you climb with a group of people, it becomes a hive mind group problem solving activity where people learn just by watching each other. And then they can also give each other feedback as to have you thought about trying it this way? Have you thought about trying it this way or that way? So it's it's a very engaging activity.
1: Okay, but if somebody wanted to come out and join you, they wouldn't need to worry about having a partner. They could just come out and join you um, anytime they wanted by themselves. You are correct. Okay, great. And is it is it equally true that um, you know that to experienced and have a good experience with with the type of events that you guys plan?
2: Yes, it really depends on the mindset that any individual comes into this sport with. Um, we have people coming in with the expectation of they will automatically feel accepted into this community, which that's something we will always continually strive for. But also, it's, um, they also need to put in equal amounts of effort to put yourself out there socially and be vulnerable, and also be open enough to introduce yourself to people, strike up conversation as tough as it can be for a number of us. The majority of us in climbing are um, introverted, especially within our stonewall climbing community. And in some ways it's in a positive way, we're very weird people and we enjoy being weird. We enjoy being different and we enjoy welcoming everything that's different within our community. So it really depends on what an individual's expectation is. And we also do educational programming. So people are more aware of the cultural um, differences between us from sex to gender to race and um, to even religion and ability and
0: age. That's very cool. Um, can you talk a little bit about like, the misconceptions of rock climbing and the expectations that people have and then when they get there are totally wrong?
2: The initial thoughts that people have with climbing is they see um, they see Alex Arnold climbing Free Solo or something in the Donwall or they think it's gonna be like the American Ninja Warrior. It is not that at all. Um, It's not even like the movie Cliffhanger. It's really just people sharing the space together, um, taking the initiative to approach a wall and to um, connect with it, to grab the holds and to see how their body can move on it and what's within their capability. So it really depends on what the initial expectations are of people and their uh, assumptions are and preconceived notions.
0: And uh, Brian, how did you get involved in climbing?
2: Um, for me, I used to be a chronic brunch addict. Um, it would be mainly it would be Saturday fun day that turned into Saturday night that became Sunday fun day that Sunday brunch that night so. At some point, I did a hard look at myself and asked myself, what do I really want out of my group of friends? And I wanted something that is reliable, that is positive, that is encouraging and strength building from mental strength to physical strength. So I looked up trust building activities on Google. And sure enough, um, climbing was one of the top three that came up. And I did a search for nearest climbing gyms. And sure enough, um, our host gym, Earth Treks, had a location that was within five miles of my house. So that's how it all happened.
1: And um, how would you describe sort of the physical demands of climbing?
2: There are physical uh, demands and limitations for climbers. dislocated located Your mobility is going to be limited. Um, and it really depends on what you're comfortable with. But just because of that it doesn't mean that you can't climb you can climb it's just going to be a little bit different in an adaptive way now for climbing in general my advice is to come in with an open mind um, think about your preconceived notions of what climbing is and what you expect it to be and then just clear all of that away and just observe climbing for what it is and the people that make up the culture itself
0: very cool um What do you think for you is the difference between joining an LGBTQ inclusive climbing group as opposed to just, you know, showing up to a gym any day?
2: The climbing community is very accepting and uh, very inclusive. It's just for the language that we look for so we personally feel like we're included. And unfortunately, the broader community does not understand that and they're not informed about that just yet. But... Within someone.
1: Could you tell us a little bit about some of the activities that Stonewall Climbing,
2: uh, fundraising activities, which are really, as best put, they are are community development opportunities for people to meet other organizations and familiarize yourself with different sports and just diversify, which has been really great about Team DC. Um, We've participated in events with the Night Out series, and that's where we've been with that. We, a local nominal club, um, and we've supported a number of charities that help underrepresented people. Um, we've put, uh, promoted say Planned Parenthood of Greater Washington, My Sister's Place, um, Food and Friends, uh, the Triangle Tea Latina History Project. So we've, we're making, as we're a new organization, we are branching out to meet the other organizations that better serve our community. Uh, going forward in the future and protecting our public lands, our national parks in our area, so Northwest Branch, that's going to be an upcoming project once uh, COVID uh, COVID restrictions are lifted. That also includes uh, Catoctin Mountain over in the Frederick area, uh, Sugarloaf Mountain, and a number of outdoor locations in southern Virginia. Um, additionally, to that, we are doing we have been doing so we've been creating sober spaces as well, and, and have been extending that to um, our other stonewall chapters just to provide a space where you can congregate and not be around alcohol for those who have concerns about it or those who just don't want to be around it and we've been very fortunate to collaborate with calabash uh, tea and tonic which is a black owned business and they've been very supportive
0: climber when you all meet up
2: Uh, We have a Facebook group and a Facebook page. So the group is for our, that's at Stonewall Climb, um, Stonewall Climbing DC. And then also we also have Instagram, which we uh, try to keep as up-to-date as possible with upcoming events, um, what our schedule is looking like, uh, information as to what to know for first-time climbers, the time commitment, the financial cost of it, um, and also our main portal for registration for Uh, Paid membership is League Apps under Stonewall Climbing DC. So we have a number of um, we have a number of means for you to get in touch with us.
1: Great, thanks so much, Brian. I wrote there, and hopefully this will help some new people get started with climbing.
2: I hope so too, and we're. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes work on the national level that we're doing, and we're hoping that we can make a deep impact um, on multiple communities. So keep an eye out for us or reach out to us, and we'll see how we can better support you.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here, and I hope to talk to you again soon.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Under the Bleachers under the bleachers is proudly produced by and a product of team dc for more information about team dc please visit www.teamdc.org
1: we want to give credit to Ralph elston a team dc board member for the design of our logo also our intro and outro music is provided by dc's different drummers marching band and was composed by travis gettinger you can always find Under the Bleachers at underthebleachers.podbeam.com, and our podcast is also available on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast, and share us with a friend so that we can all keep meeting Under the Bleachers.
0: Under the Bleachers is hosted by Team DC Vice President Laura Frayer and Team DC Board Member for Fundraising, Gabriel Hernandez. All views and opinions expressed are solely those of the hosts and the participants on under the bleachers and do not express the views of Team DC.